This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Produced by the iLab at WBUR, Boston. The universe has good news for the lost, lonely, and heartsick. The sugars are here, speaking straight into your ears. I'm Steve Allman. I'm Cheryl Strayed. This is Dear Sugars. Hi, Cheryl. So we're going to do another rapid fire. Very excited about this. I love rapid fires because what we get to do is read a bunch of letters. Yeah, I mean, that's what we find. Look, we're greedy. We have this inbox with people who write amazing, beautiful letters, and we would love to answer all of them. That is totally impossible. But we can at least sweep up a suite of letters that are revolving around some of the same issues and are kind of having a conversation. So listen, today, our theme for this Rapid Fire episode is friends and lovers. And what we mean by that really are the problems in our romantic relationships that friendships can bring about because one partner is jealous or feels threatened, rightly or wrongly, Mm -hmm. of that other friendship. Um, Have you ever been in that particular pickle, Steve? I have been in that pickle Years ago, I um, was friends with a couple. I was really like their third wheel, designated third wheel. We spent a lot of time together, and I adored both of them, probably had a crush on both of them, admired their marriage, admired their adultness and poise and being married. This was at a time I was you know, stumbling through my late 20s, unable to figure anything out. But there was, for me and I think for the wife, a kind of extra erotic charge, and it arose, not surprisingly, in moments when the husband was intensely involved with a super ambitious project that kept him away from Mm -hmm. home. And so I can remember in particular um, being with them uh, up on vacation, and he had just gotten a big deal that had come through. He sort of came into town for just like a night, and then he left again. And there I was left with this beautiful, intelligent, and I think underneath it all, neglected wife who I adored. Mm -hmm. And there was a a particularly complicated moment 
down on a dock, of course, by a beautiful lake in the moonlight that did Sitting not... on the dock of the bay. Exactly. Yeah. That's on the new album. Cheryl Strayed sings the classics. <laughs> um, and it was just a moment where it really could have pivoted into a mad, passionate, sexual thing. And I showed the rare restraint to say, I need to get out of here mm-hmm. because I am crazy about this woman and I'm going to blow up this thing that... And, and it really that moment probably led to me... I think in a healthy way, pulling away from the category that I was in, which was friend with shadings of lover. Yeah. I mean, you just said you're crazy about this woman. Yeah. You don't say that really about a friend. I mean, that's right. Or or you mean it in a different or more limited way. It sounds Mm -hmm. like you did have an infatuation. Are you still friends with this couple? I am friends with them. I wish I was closer to them. But when I remember the era that we spent time together, Uh what I remember is that moment on the dock in the moonlight with a woman who I very much wanted to, you know, get with and how complicated and fraught it was because she was not my wife. Well, and you didn't cross that line. I did not, but boy, I thought about it. Yeah, (laughs) but you know, sometimes people do have jealousies or suspicions that are based in reality, not Mm -hmm. just 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 ideas. Mm -hmm. And so, I think the hardest thing to do is to figure out when you're feeling jealous for good reason, and when you're feeling jealous just because you're you're kind of a crazy jealous person. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I guess I've been a, a little jealous or threatened by friendships or, you know, that I had to learn more before I could feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Skeptical. Um, skeptical. You know, the, our friends are the people uh, we we feel emotionally intimate with. And that can be very slippery when it comes to sex and romance. Yeah, I want, I want to read this letter because that night on the dock actually just came zooming back to me, partly in response to this letter from Crazy Bird Lady. Dear Sugars, I'm a 43-year-old woman. I've been married for 12 years and don't have children. I work as a civil rights attorney in a small law firm. I also volunteer on a board devoted to environmental issues. Most of my fellow board members are men over 75, but one is about my age. This man and I have become friends. We have interests in common, i.e. birds, and can talk about them for hours. He's not married, but lives with a long-term girlfriend. My husband recently became suspicious of my friendship. He secretly followed me on a Friday afternoon after I told him I was leaving work early to run some errands. When he realized I'd gone to the consignment shop to unload some sweaters and not the no-tell motel, he confessed. My husband is not an abusive or controlling person. It was very out of character for him to follow me around like he did. However, he asked me to give up my friend. This is the heart of the problem. I don't want to give up this friendship. My husband travels for work and is away from home roughly four nights each week. I eat dinner alone, watch TV alone, and work out alone almost every day. I don't have female friends because I don't connect with moms. In fact, I find associating with moms tiresome at best. I find most women my age to be consumed by child-rearing to the point that they are disengaged from parts of the world not dominated by their children. At my age and in my demographic, a woman without children is unusual. My mother, who thinks I should have only female friends, has advised me to meet new people. But I've found a friend I connect with and look forward to seeing. For me, this is a success as rare as a Eurasian eagle owl. My husband is a wonderful man, and we've built a life together. We do many things together. I wouldn't dream of leaving him or hurting him by cheating on him. However, it seems that for many contemporary Americans, any relationship a married person has with someone of the opposite gender is suspect. Signed, Crazy 
bird lady. Wow. Yeah. Well, this is a dilemma, crazy bird lady. And the first piece of advice I'd give you is to encourage you to try to make this friendship work. It sounds like it's something that's really important to you. And it also sounds like it's a friendship that's legitimately in the friend zone, that this isn't somebody you're talking about having a crush on or having feelings about or feeling, uh, you know, attracted to. And I think it's what's really important is that you make this very clear to your husband. And one of, I think, the best tricks in this situation is to neutralize those feelings by, at least to some extent, pulling your husband and your friend's partner into the friendship. Now, of course, the primary friendship might ultimately always be between you and this uh, crazy bird man. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that there is a way to neutralize some of the questions your husband's having, some of the tensions he's feeling, the jealousy he's feeling. I mean, and he is feeling jealous. My goodness, he's suddenly become a private detective. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's following you. So it really tells me he's having real feelings about this. Why not propose to your friend that he and his partner have dinner with you and your husband. And this way, you know, at least the partners are in on this conversation. It's not just this exclusive bond that you have with this fellow that you met. Yep. I actually think that part of what's happening here is that you feel isolated and lonely, and you have a right to that because, Mm -hmm. as you tell us, uh, you eat dinner alone, you watch TV alone, and you work out alone almost every day. If I were a betting man, I would bet that your husband is aware that he leaves you um, for his work duties, which I'm sure you approve of and and are are supportive of and, you know, are important and meaningful to him. But the fact is you are left isolated. And you're not just left isolated within the context of the marriage. You also make quite a point, I will say, of not having children. Mm -hmm. You're essentially in your letter saying there's no possibility that I could become friends with a mom. Uh, in a way that that I think Cheryl and I will agree is a bit suspect. There are moms out there, especially with older kids uh, and plenty of women in their 30s and 40s and 50s who don't have kids and certainly are not totally preoccupied by them who might be friends for you. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's probably making you deeply happy, although you're making do, being alone, Mm -hmm. working out, having all those dinners alone. Um, I don't think you're up to this consciously, but this has certainly gotten your husband's attention. And you need to maybe even be talking with him about why this friendship's important. And if he doesn't want you to have this friendship, because that's the other thing that I don't understand. He just said, I don't want you to be friends with this guy. And my question is why? And the answer might be that he's aware that he's left you uh, alone and that you need company and you're going to find it with or without him around. Mm -hmm. Steve, you point out this this piece of the letter that that really struck me too and that I was interested in and a little offended by, frankly. And this is this very categorical statement, Crazy Bird Lady, that you make about women who have children. Um, You know, I am a mom. I'm not just a mom. I'm a lot of other things. I'm not fixated on conversations that are only about my children. Even you must know that you're making such, you know, sort of vastly generalized statements about women who happen to have children, that you're really incorrect in your assumptions about their, you know, capacity to be interesting friends. Right. I mean, who knows? Maybe the long-term girlfriend of the crazy bird man would become your friend once you met her, right. you know, and you could be friends with them as a couple. If, if the bigger question you're asking us is, how do I have more friends? How do I invest in those kinds of relationships? You know, you have to do some of that work. You have to dig deeper beyond your own assumptions 
And I can just promise you there are a lot of women out there who would be happy to be your friend. One way to think about this letter that you've written us is that it is a powerful um, indication that you and your husband need to talk about the terms of your marriage Mm -hmm. and how each of you feel within your marriage. Because if he's acting out of character, it's because something is out of balance in your union. Okay, Steve, we have another letter that's about a friendship Mm -hmm. outside of a romantic uh, relationship. Dear Sugars, I'm 24 and have been with my boyfriend for two years. We recently moved from New York to a smaller city so he could attend graduate school. While I love my new job and have tried to make friends, I haven't made any strong connections. I feel isolated and depressed. Meanwhile, my boyfriend's grad program is very demanding. He has to be there seven days a week, and he often doesn't get home until I'm already asleep. About half the time we spend together is wonderful. We really do love each other. And the other half is me being angry and upset. Our relationship is already a little shaky due to our sex life. He's never interested in it, and we have sex about once every two months. He tells me he has his issues combining love and sex. This started early in our relationship. The other day, my boyfriend was showing me something on his phone, and a message popped up from a woman in his program. It was clearly a response to him inviting her somewhere. He claimed he was just checking on her because she'd been sick, but eventually he admitted he'd asked her to go out to get a cocktail. He already has very little time, and it infuriates me that he wants to carve out time for her. He has a lot of closer friends in his program, and he never spends one-on-one time with them. This woman has told him that she admires him and his work, something he craves. Before we were together, my boyfriend was in a seven-year relationship that quickly turned into a sexless, loving friendship, during which he had many non-physical emotional affairs with female friends. He says this is something he's been working on in therapy, but I fear he may be doing this again. He tells me our relationship is different from his past one, and he wants to spend his life with me. I wish these actions were exclusive to his past relationships, But about a year ago, I discovered him sending inappropriate sexual texts to one of his close female friends while we were on vacation together. This is when our sex life started going downhill. I asked my boyfriend to not hang out with this woman from his class one-on-one until our relationship is stronger. He said that he can't wait until I decide it's okay. And the point of getting the drink with her is to get to know her better so he doesn't want other people there. That made me sick. I know I can't have my boyfriend on a leash and trust is needed for a healthy relationship, but I don't feel comfortable with this. If he meets up with her, I'm going to feel shattered. I'm very open about my feelings with him, but he doesn't seem to understand. He thinks I'm paranoid. Am I? Signed, worried and paranoid girlfriend. Mm. Cheryl, I know you're itching. You're itching. (laughs) And, and, And I feel that same itch. So, One thing we could say, and I'm not going to call you a worried or paranoid girlfriend because I don't think you're paranoid at all, um, is this is an extreme moment in your relationship. You've recently relocated to a smaller city. It's not New York. Maybe there's some significance there. You're isolated, right? Like Crazy Bird Lady, you're feeling isolated. Your partner who you need is away every day of the week. He only returns when you're asleep. So we can certainly say this is a situationally, you're in a tough moment in your relationship But as I read through this letter and especially read it a second and third time, more and more red flags kept popping up. The fact that 
there's already a disparity in affection and sexuality and how that's expressed is symptomatic of a, of a deeper division that happened before this move even took place. And then there's also other attention that he's seeking outside the relationship that you don't feel comfortable with that he's not honest about initially. He eventually admitted. In other words, he lied. He has a history that you know about of the exact same pattern that you're talking about, where he relies on somebody for emotional support and comfort and company, but he's physically and erotically, romantically not supplying the things that you need and deserve. And then in addition to that, he has previous to this, in this relationship, as if the previous relationship wasn't enough, he has actually sent inappropriate sexual texts right at the moment that your relationship was hitting the shoals uh, romantically and erotically. I think unless he's willing to talk with you about exactly what's going on, the exit is this way. And Uh I really rarely will say something this extreme because I know you love this guy and you've just made a big commitment and moved to a new city. And we could certainly give you all kinds of wonderful advice about trying to find friends and build a life around outside the relationship. But you have set out so many red flags here that it's obvious. And he's now gaslighting you Uh uh, and announcing to you that he's going to break your heart. And you should consent to neither of those arrangements. Yep. Yep. Everything Steve said. (laughs) Cut your losses. It doesn't matter if you love this man. He's not able to give you anything that you need. He's not honest with you. He's not transparent with you. He's not vulnerable with you. He's not connecting with you sexually. You know, I mean, come on, really? He Mm -hmm. he needs to meet alone with this female friend to have a drink to get to know her better. I mean, anyone who really cared about your well-being, worried and paranoid, would say, hey, you know, I met this awesome woman in my graduate program who I think you would really dig. Let's go have a drink with her. There's a joy around having a connection with somebody. And when you have a a solid and happy partnership, you know, you want to share share that, you know, and that doesn't mean that you can never have also individual friendships, but that's how your boyfriend would behave if he were A, not about to cheat on you or already cheating on you, and B, really cared about your well-being and your happiness in this relationship. So, you know, I just think you're 24, you're two years into this relationship. I mean, frankly, even if you were 44 or 64 and 20 years into it, I'd say something's wrong here. Please don't waste your life. There are so many things to be devastated and heartbroken about. Please release yourself from this one, okay? Mm -hmm. Because you will only look back with regret. Wow. That is the Cheryl Strayed hard dose. Of, it's called the full Cheryl. It's the full Cheryl. That's right. You, <laughs> it's that's, the sugar over all everything. That's it's like, exactly it's right. It's 100% sugar. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
Dear Sugars, I have an amazing living situation on an organic orchard in Vermont. I moved in with a couple I'd been friends with for a few years after my own relationship ended. A few weeks after I got here, they broke up and my friend moved out, leaving me to live alone with her now ex-boyfriend. Once I got over the initial anxiety of living alone with someone with a recently broken heart, I quickly developed a huge crush on this man. He's such a breath of fresh air compared with other people my age. He keeps bees, he makes mead, he can fix anything, and like me, wants to do whatever he can from scratch and without excess. He's complimentary of my strengths and is surprisingly available emotionally. Every time I think I have a handle on my crush, some new facet of his depth is revealed to me and my love for him as a friend is enriched while my attraction is amplified. In some ways, it's an ideal situation, the house, the friendship, but it's also torture. I am still friends with his ex. I know that she still has some feelings for him and he for her, though they will never be together again as they are not compatible and both know it. They were together for five years and have only been apart for two months now. Importantly, he treated her badly. He was critical of her physical skills, her work ethic, and demanding sexually when she was not capable of intimacy. He would compare the two of us using me as an example of how things could be better, and he did this in front of me. Things like the way I interacted with his family and the way I cook, rake leaves, and listen. In my crush mind, I'm flattered. As a human being, I'm offended. When I first started feeling for him, I reminded myself of those things, which really are red flags. Even though he's an amazing friend, he may not be capable of a kind partnership. Also, what a betrayal for me to ignore the way he treated her and expect to, quote, do better. However, living with someone does give you insight into their growth and pain. I know that he was cruel to my friend because he was trying to make her fit into a box which farm life requires of a farm wife. He loved her and didn't want the relationship to end, even though it wasn't working. This is not an excuse, but an explanation, one that has allowed me to see him in the light that I do now. It also begs the question, what if I do want to fit into that box? I'm a feminist, so I've been struggling with this question. I love cooking, I do it professionally, and I'm not afraid of hard work. I love being outside, and I share the same Thoreauvian principles. It sounds like we're more sexually compatible, both having higher drives and a tendency to need physical intimacy as reassurance, which is where their problems started. I've been so productive and happy since I moved in here, and I'm having a hard time keeping my feelings to myself. Deep down, I know that I should not act, but there is a large part of me that wonders if he is it. There are times when I feel him wanting me and times when I'm not confident that he does. I know I can't reason my way out of a crush mind, and I don't want to leave this living situation. Is it best to wait it out? What if I miss out on a great love? Signed, Secret Apple Heart. What say you, my mead-drinking partner? Oh, secret apple heart. Yeah, I, I get it. You're you're infatuated. You're in lust. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see why. I mean, who doesn't want to hit the hay with a farmer? Uh, sign me up. Um, but you know, here's the thing. You know that you shouldn't do this. You said deep down, I know I should not act. Uh, I think there are two reasons for that. One is that you care about your friend who has just broken up with this man. 
And you know that getting with him would have devastating consequences on that friendship. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the first question you need to answer for yourself. Is your desire for this man in this moment of your life um, more important than your friendship? It might be. It might not be. Um, you're right that it's hard to reason your way out of a crush. You're having the feelings you're having in spite of what you keep saying to us, you know you should do. There's also, and this might be even more, you know, worrying to me, like if you had really described this dynamic and you were saying, and on top of it, you know, he's wonderful. And I witnessed him being wonderful with my friend. Like I would have said, well, maybe you need to have an honest conversation with your friend and see if you can map this out. I'm not going to give you that advice because that's not what you saw. You said he was mean to her, he was cruel to her, he humiliated her, he did it in front of you. That's who he is. That's how he behaves in relationships. He also behaves the way he's behaving with you right now, which is probably the way he behaved with his ex. You know, charming and strong and mean-making and lovely and hot and, you know, all that stuff. And both parts of him are true, but you are completely lying to yourself if you think that somehow you know, he was cruel to his ex because they just weren't a fit. And he wouldn't be cruel to you because you're different. Right. I mean, we behave how we behave with the people we care about. And I'm not saying that we don't, we're not capable of change over time. I'm not saying this man can't reflect on that behavior and, and make changes. I'm saying that you, with the question you're asking us right now, at the outset of this relationship, should I do it or shouldn't I do it? I say you better take those things pretty seriously because they're probably going to emerge if you have a relationship with him. You know, my grandmother would have said, Annie Rosenthal, it'll keep Bubby. By which I mean, if this is a for real thing and you are in a sustained way attracted to him and uh, you guys, after several months, find that there's still a feeling of growing intimacy emotionally and and reverence and respect and maybe even some discussions of how you guys function in relationships, why your previous relationships ended, Mm -hmm. then we might say, okay, well, you know, uh, there is at a certain point an inexorable sense of if you're connected to somebody, then you should see where that leads. But Cheryl, I think, is very wise to suggest you should not make a move or announce this or initiate something right now. You are out of a relationship. He is out of a relationship. You are both on the rebound. The fact that there is a barrier to your intimacy makes it insanely hot for both of you. You're like out there up in the beautiful orchard with mead and a roaring fire, and you're both making things all day and getting and all, all that sweaty available and musty. Honey. Think exactly. of the honey. There's all that sticky honey we around. We both know what can happen with honey. The point we're trying to make, Secret Appleheart, <laughs> uh-huh. is that all of this feels super hot, you know, yeah. because you guys are forbidden from one another. And I promise you that it will evaporate once you guys actually, uh, you know, were to get together and, and you know, right. consummate all this, you would suddenly become the people that you really are. Yeah. And I want to circle back to this point that I that I see in your letter, Secret Appleheart, you know, this fear that you say twice, what if he's the one or what if this is it? I don't want to miss out on this grand love. And 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 this is really why Steve's advice is so good when he says, you know, it'll keep. If this is going to be an important relationship, if he's going to be an important person in your life, and we don't know yet if, if he will or not, um, you know, really the, the best things you could do to protect this relationship and nurture it is to do the right things at the beginning. And I would say one of the first ones is not to rush. The second one is to be honest with your friend, you know, that if this is a real feeling you have, that this is something that you need to be talking about with both friends, 
with the partner who you're lusting after saying, hey, you know what? I witnessed some pretty horrible stuff. What are you going to do about that in your life? Um, reaching out to your female friend saying, I'm developing these feelings. And third, I would say, move out of that house because most relationships don't begin well if you're already living together. You know, mm-hmm. it's too much of a fast forward in this relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there are all of these these reasons that you should really think about waiting. Mm-hmm. I love the line. It's the first act of Romeo and Juliet. And Shakespeare writes, love is a substance made with the fume of sighs. That is, it's nourished by the longing and the nature of, right, Romeo and Juliet. Why were they so hot for one another? Because they couldn't have one another. Mm-hmm. It was a forbidden love. Okay, last letter. Dear Sugars, I'm a middle-aged single woman who accidentally fell in love with a married man. Not just a married man, but a devoted father of three. What a cliche, I know. I resisted the attraction for years. We live in different cities and see each other very rarely, and always in the same group setting in which his wife was not present. I finally opened up about my feelings last year, and to my surprise, I was met with equal, if not more, enthusiasm. I was ecstatic to know my love was returned with openness and vulnerability. The one of us is married territory was new to both of us and presented paralyzing confusion and longing. But that's not what this story is about. The reason for my letter, Sugars, is this. I shared my love story tentatively with a few trusted friends. To my relief, they supported me with unconditional love and held me through the quagmire of emotions that come with loving someone unavailable to me. The object of my affection is with his amazing family, and I respect his decision. But one of those dear friends has since discovered that her husband of many years had an affair with someone in our extended circle. It was a tremendous shock. My friend and husband have always been the couple everyone looked to as the perfect marriage example and providers of advice. I'm as disappointed in the husband as anyone. The real struggle I'm having is that the wife, a friend of many years, won't talk to me. I was the last to know of their separation, and she shut herself off from me. Friends say it's because of my own affair, in which I was the other woman. I've gently reached out to her several times just to let her know I'm here, I love her. No response. She recently had a health emergency, and she's now recovering from that on top of being a single mom dealing with a divorce. To make matters messier, her husband has always shown affection toward me. In fact, she often mentioned his fondness for me, saying things like, when I die, you should marry him. He loves you. Her husband has been a good friend, but unfortunately, several times after drinking too much, he's cornered me and made pretty strong passes. I grew uncomfortable drinking with them, though I've never had the courage to bring it up. Now it feels like a carcinogenic secret. I think she wants to save their marriage. Does the past matter now? I'm trying to keep a leash on my own ego. It's not about me. My friend is suffering. Her world is turned upside down. But several months have passed, and I can't help but feel frustrated, judged, punished somehow. I recently received a text from her. She acknowledged we need to talk. I haven't responded yet. I'm conflicted. If and when we do talk... How should I temper my own frustrations? Should I tell her about her husband's advances? Would it hurt her more or help her push through their divorce? Sugars, what should I do? Signed, Betwixt 
in between. Mm. Cheryl, I had a very complicated reaction to this letter in Betwixt and Between. I think you're really on the horns of, of several different dilemmas that are embedded in a single letter. You're in love with somebody who's is not available to you. Mm-hmm. And that is not a healthy situation to be in. I'm sure this guy is great. I don't question for a second that you feel lots towards him, but he is not available to you. Long after you've hopefully resolved things with this friend of yours and her husband, that's something for you to examine uh, and think about because you deserve to be with somebody who's available to you. Uh, I think what's happening with your friend is quite apparent. You were, in her mind, the sanctioned other woman. Um, And it's not even especially hard to understand. Mm -mm. Uh, And I guess we have to add that that idea that that couple, your friend and her husband, were the couple everyone looked to as perfect, the kind of paragon of happy monogamy, was an illusion. That reputation that they were carrying around was completely contradicted by the fact that this guy was making passes at you. And this wife probably had a sense that he had a wandering eye and maybe even wandering hands long before any of this came up. Uh, I I say that because, in a sense, part of what's happening here is that you did not say at any of the moments that this guy made a pass at you, and I don't know that you had a duty to, but you did not say, you know what, wife, you're living in a different marriage with a different husband than you think you are. And um, I'm not saying that to guilt trip you, but it is the fact that you knew that this wasn't a perfect marriage and you knew that this guy in particular was a bad actor was somebody who not just made a pass at another woman, but a friend who his wife looked to as kind of the sanctioned, safe person for whom her husband could express affection should she die, right? I don't think I would bear your friend any ill will. She is is absolutely heartbroken. And I think you're wise to say, I am not the center of this drama. My own view is that you should tell her about her husband's advances and you should both tell her that those took place and you should also tell her that you feel sorry that you didn't say something sooner. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Shell? I Maybe I'm overstepping. I don't know. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I agree with you entirely, Steve, uh, about this notion that Betwixt and between, uh, it really isn't about you. And I'm so glad that you can see that clearly. What's happening is your friend is devastated. And she's devastated because her husband has been involved with another woman. And what did you just most recently tell her? That you were involved with a married man. You were the other woman. She nurtured you and supported you and listened to you. She was your sounding board when you confided in her and, you know, she was able to be there for you because it was theoretical. She didn't have any skin in that game. Now she does. Right. And I understand why she can't really go to you for support. Because, of course, when she looks at you, what she's probably seen is that other woman, that, that woman who has gotten involved with her husband and caused so much heartbreak and sorrow in her life. And, you know, I think that it's really a great sign that she texted you and said that she knows you you need to talk. So what that tells me is that she hasn't cast you out. She hasn't demonized you. She just kind of can't really, you can't really be the person for her right now. Kind of the way that, you know, somebody who's in the depths of struggling with infertility might not be able to be like super close best friends with somebody who's about to give birth, right? right. It's just too close. Right. The sight of the trauma is made to a parent in your company. And so I think that, you know, what you need to do, sometimes we just have to bide our time and say to people, I understand why it might be hard for you to to be with me now. I want you to know that I love you and I support you. And I'm so sad 
that this has happened in your marriage. And if you ever need me for anything, I'm here. But I also, you know, if you need to take some distance, I respect that. Like, I think it's okay to have a conversation like that. You know, I think that some of the deepest parts of compassion are just that kind of honesty. Now, the more complicated part of this question for me mm-hmm. is, should you tell your friend that her husband made advances on you? First of all, I want to say, I find it really strange and interesting betwixt and between that you have written, my friend and and her husband have always been the couple everyone looked to as right. the perfect marriage example and providers of advice. You know, two paragraphs later in your yeah. letter, you described that, you know, n- numerous times when you were socializing with this couple, this man made advances of you. So I, I think it's it's fascinating to me that you've held up this couple as the perfect marriage while you also knew this other thing. Um, I don't think it's the right time for you to to unpack that with your friend. I don't think that you telling her about her husband behaving that way is going to be an inducement or an encouragement to her um, as she perhaps proceeds down the path of divorce. I think it would only uh, hurt her and further alienate her from you because she would feel... I think, betrayed that you hadn't told her sooner. So, you know, I think some sometimes kindness is about silence and choosing the right moment. And that right moment may never come. All right. So this is one of the rare instances where um, I don't agree with Cheryl. It's a, always a really bad situation to be in. Any of you who are <laughs> listening, don't ever disagree with Cheryl Strait, especially when she's very close to you in the studio and could, could conceivably right. physically harm me. Here, here's the reason I say that, and I say it advisedly. You write betwixt and between, I think she wants to save their marriage, dot, 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 does the past matter now? And my answer to that is yes. They were living a lie, that happy couple that gave advice and were the model and perfect. And to the extent to which you knew that they were living that lie, you were a part of it. And uh, I think in the short term, Cheryl is right that delivering this at this moment would be devastating to her. And she might even push you away as a friend. But it also happened. And the past absolutely matters now more than ever. I would say it's almost in the, in the category of you have a moral duty to tell her, he didn't just once do this. He did this several times and so persistently that you didn't even feel comfortable being with them when they were drinking. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, you, as you said, I didn't have the courage to bring it up in a sober setting. I don't blame you. But now the cat's out of the bag. This guy is a, a real risk. In my view, even though it's going to be a tough conversation, now is the the time that you need to let her know the nature of the man who she is thinking about getting back together with. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that my advice not to tell her is correct. I mean, and I don't think that there is one correct path. My advice to, that you don't tell her comes from this place of my really wanting to protect your friend's heart. She's texting you saying, we need to talk. If the thing she wants to talk about is how your friendship has really taken a hit because of this revelation, um, what the conversation to have in, in the course of that of that discussion is about expressing your love for her and your support of her and being there for her. Um, not also saying, by the way, not only am I the other woman who now you 
you know, you associate me with this deeply painful thing. Also, your husband made passes at me. Like, that's kind of overwhelming. I also don't think that it's going to be the thing. If she wants to save her marriage, she's going to build all kinds of stories around justifying why that's the best choice. You know, it'll be like a sort of shoot the messenger kind of scenario where, oh, she's saying, you know, you made a pass and he'll say, I never did such a thing. Are you going to believe her? Are you going to believe me? You know, we know how that turns out. Mm -hmm. But Steve, listening to you, I also see your point, you know, and I do think that there's a different kind of conversation that could come about where revealing that information would be the most loving and supportive thing you could do. I think that you have to proceed with caution no matter which route you take. Um, Only you can know uh, whether whether it's going to be the right thing, the kindest thing, Mm -hmm. or the cruelest thing to do. And I think so much of that will rise out of whatever kind of conversation you have with your friend when you get together with her. The truth has a way, once a little bit of it gets out, the rest of it has a way of finding its way out. And it is a true thing that this man, after drinking, cornered you, is the language you use, and made pretty strong passes. Several times. Several times. And and I assume that, I don't assume that to mean, you know, he brushed by you or he made a flirtatious comment. I'm using your language or just echoing it back to you betwixt and between because it speaks to something that sounds a little bit more predatory and persistent to me. Mm -hmm. So one way to think about this, if you are considering um, having that talk, is to say, you know, in the short term, telling my friend this is going to be disruptive and painful, and it might cause her to push me away. But in the long term, if I don't tell her something that's true and could not be more consequential, I am both risking her later finding out and feeling doubly betrayed. And we know, and you know, betwixt and between, the problem with adultery is that they lie and betray. And the more, therefore, you can be an agent of the truth, the more you at least can say to yourself, I have acted as a good friend. Whether my friend sees it today, tomorrow, next week, next month, eventually she will see that I was trying to make sure that if she does get together with this guy, it's with full knowledge of what he has done. Mm. Yeah, you've convinced me. Wow. Okay, somebody <laughs> mark that down and let's stop the show before we can possibly get that edited it's, out. No, you really have. You, you have. I think I'm rather well known for being on the side of telling the truth, and the truth has its own power. So, yeah. um, but do it gently if you do it betwixt and between, because yeah. it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. The heart gets confused and the heart looks around. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and, and in all of these letters, you know, it's such a powerful story about, well, who's around? If the heart is missing something, if it's lonely, it's always going to find something to fill that void. That's what it does. All right. Well, we wish you all the best of luck, all letter writers and all of you listening who are nodding your heads and saying, I've been in that pickle too. Mm-hmm. Sugars, a podcast in which Steve Almond has once in the entire history of its three-year run gotten Cheryl Strayed to admit that he might have had a point, is produced by the New York Times in partnership 
with WVUR. Our producer is Alexandra Lee Young, who literally almost fainted at the revelation that Cheryl Strait could actually ever even not be completely right about something. (laughs) Our editor and managing producer is Larissa Anderson. Our executive producer is Lisa Tobin, who, if she is watching over us at this moment... She knows Cheryl's right. Exactly. And our editorial director is Samantha Henning. We recorded this show at TalkBox Sound and Visual in Portland, Oregon. TalkBox? TalkBox, that's right. Uh, And TalkBox Sound and Visual in Portland, Oregon. You're right about that, Cheryl. It is TalkBox. With our wonderful engineer, Josh Millman. Interestingly, Josh Millman occasionally will tell me privately, and he made me swear to silence that I'm I'm usually right. But but he no, made me no, swear. I, to I don't believe it. No, he didn't. No, Josh and I go way back. Our mix engineer is Brad Fisher. Our theme music is by Wonderly, with vocals by Liz Vice. Please find us at nytimes.com/slash/dearsugars. You can send us your letters at dearsugars at nytimes.com. That's Dear Sugars, plural, at nytimes.com. Or leave us a voicemail on our hotline at 929-399-8477. And please check our column, The Sweet Spot, at nytimes.com slash The Sweet Spot. 